We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 307. All right, set the scene here. We are, uh, it's Sunday afternoon. We both made it back from Tampa. You barely. I feel like the last four days of my life have either been drinking beer or sitting in an airport. So it was a lot of fun this weekend. We're going to recap it all, but I know you feel like crap right now. I certainly feel like crap right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a new level of exhaustion, really, at this point. And you know, the fact that I had to be up at four o'clock in the morning and didn't go to sleep until, I don't know, one o'clock. So I, I probably got like maybe an hour of sleep of actual like legitimate sleep. And uh, yeah, yeah, walked out of my out of the house after I did the whole search, made sure everything was clean, did all these things, took the stickers off my, the old, uh, you know, stickers from the last flight off my bags and then walked out the door to get in my Uber and without my suitcase. How do you do that? How do but you it's do not that? like you realized it at that point. You realized it when you got to the airport. You're like, wait a second. I How does this happen? And then all and and you know part of the part of the well, a lot most of the blame is me, obviously. But I, I have to put a little bit on this Uber driver who just wouldn't shut up at four thirty in the morning and can like for some reason I wanted to have a conversation with him at four thirty in the morning. And uh, yeah, it was very distracting. And then all of a sudden, we finally had like a little bit of silence before I got up to the airport. And I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, did I put my bag in the in the trunk? He's like, no. I'm like, oh my god. So it was a decision of go back to get the bag, or and miss and very possibly miss your flight, or just go forward and then just call you guys and figure it out later. Yeah, I figured it out. I, I traveled uh, with two suitcases on the way home. <laughs> But the best part is your half of the equipment you need to yeah. record the podcast is in that suitcase. Yes. So the the funny thing is is now I'm on on the uh, the original mic that we ever recorded on which is this uh this awesome USB mic. So at least we got something. The uh it was such a fun weekend. I think it, every year it gets more and more fun. Um I think you and I were talking just at the bar last night about how this, you know, each year you can see the community building and this year we had a, a group of people in the house. Like the first couple of years, it was just you right. and me down there kind of winging it. Like whoever we can meet, we meet, we go out for drinks, whatever it is. But like this year was the first year we had a crew of people uh, centralized in the house doing uh, podcasts, doing the content and all that stuff. But also we're going to the games to meet 
people meet Yankees fans, and it was just so much fun. Despite the fact I missed the Friday game because my flight was delayed eight hours on Thursday night, and the earliest flight I could get on Saturday was a one o'clock flight out, which doesn't really help me for a one o'clock game in Tampa. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. Despite all those issues, despite your uh, negligence to bring your bag right. home, a lot of fun this week. It was, yeah. Minor details uh, it went in, in travel. And, and one of the really cool things is, I mean, I got in a, a little bit earlier on Thursday than I was expecting, and I was able to, to catch the game. So I basically just put a call out in, our, in the Facebook group that we have for the podcast and, and asked if anybody was going to the game. Um, and uh, so this guy, Tim, and I hooked up, and uh, he actually ended up picking me up at the airport. I was able to leave my bags in his car. I'm not picking him up from the airport. <laughs> Pick me up at the airport. And we went to the game together because his hotel was literally on the, on the path from, uh, from his hotel to the stadium was the airport. So it worked out beautifully. Uh, we had an awesome time, and then he was pretty much hanging out with us all weekend. Um, so, yeah, it, w- it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a ton of fun. Uh, the, round, the round table that we put out yesterday, I know we were going to keep it a mystery for the day, but might as well tell people now. Obviously, it was you and me. Uh, then JJ, um, Frank, Marco, who's one of our writers, Dom, who has been working with the podcast for a couple years now, and then Tim was probably the mystery man that nobody knew. knew nobody knew that voice. Well, yeah, I wasn't keeping it a mystery. It's just I when we started that roundtable, it devolved so quickly right. that I never even had a chance to introduce everybody. I have no idea what and we talked we, about. I don't either. We were not in the, a state of mind to do anything. It took, first of all, as it always does when we try and do something live in person, the setup takes an hour and a half. So by the time you're actually ready to press record, you're like, all right, let's just do this thing already because we're going to make this microphone work for 45 right, minutes. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it was good. But Friday, the game that you did miss, um, JJ. And I, well, JJ, it's JJ's bit he's going to be doing this year of uh, Stadium Eats. He's, he's done it in the past, but he's bringing it to uh, Bronx Pinstripes this year. So we were able to uh, record the, and, you know, the first issue or the first uh, uh, series of that uh, at the stadium, eating some pastrami. We hooked up with the, uh, the guys from the stadium, and they were awesome, and uh, just pretty much gave us uh, the, the sandwich and gave us everything we needed basically to do a, a good review. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that series. I think JJ's going to do some really cool stuff at the stadium this year. Uh, so look for that. This week at some point, we're going to be editing it up and, uh, and putting it out. So that is a, another, another piece of content that we're coming out. And then obviously you, to- you, you touched on it when JJ was filling in for me when I was in Taiwan. But we got the podcast coming out with JJ and Keith. Uh, they're actually going to be launching some episodes this week. George's Box. I'm very excited. The big, the big unveiling of George's Box. Oh my goodness we got gracious! Good. It was good feedback from people. We told because we were telling people uh, the name of the podcast, and everyone was receptive and laughed, and they got the reference immediately. Yeah. And I think any Yankees fan who listens will get it. But the intro that uh, Keith's buddy made mm-hmm. for it is is just, as the kids say, it's fire. Yeah, it, it is. It's very good. <laughs> it's very good. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. That we, we came up with some some segments that are going to be included in that at some point uh, of the show. Well, too. really, the, we buried the whole lead of the weekend because the love that we saw blossom between JJ and Frank this yeah. weekend was the best part of the weekend. They did. They did have a, a very special bond. Uh, and and it was it was it was pretty amusing for everybody I think during the whole thing. So congratulations to them on their newfound friendship. Yes, and I think just in general, Bronx pinstripes being in town this year was good luck for for the boys because thirty one runs scored in the two games that uh, a Bronx pinstripes person was attending uh, Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and those are the most fun. You know, I got to tell you, the when the when the when the guys cooperate and start hitting the ball out of the ballpark and and you start seeing uh, the just the ball flying out by with. Judge hit a few home runs or a couple home runs. Um, we were able to see some 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 big home runs from the guys that people wanted to see. So that was the good thing. And then you know while that's happening, obviously like the atmosphere gets that much better. So you're hanging out. We had uh, we sold just just shy of 80 tickets, um, and uh, I gave out a whole bunch of T-shirts that we had uh, to 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 people that came to the event. So we were able to to talk with you know a whole bunch of people. I mean it was just uh, I can't even call out the people that I, that I that I talked to because there were so many. But it was just it was just a lot. Of fun we all had a really good time um and i'm looking forward to all these other events it was just kind of like a, a nice little preview or appetizer for all the bp crew events coming up um and, and the first one is coming up april 13th make sure you guys are going to uh get your crew together and and sign up for that game because we're getting on the dates where i need to start 
ordering it's, shirts. It's so close yep. now. Yeah, it's so like the season. It's like this happened last year too. We went to spring training, and then it's like you blink your eye, and it's going to be the regular season. I mean, opening day is two weeks away. Yeah, that's pretty. Crazy. I know, I know. And I, I so we have to order the t-shirts ahead of time so that everybody gets them by the event date. So um, those uh, the deadline's going to be right around the first of the month. So so if you're planning on going to that game uh, and sit with us in two o five. Get get on it and start and buy those tickets because um, one they're going quick and, and two time is running out. And another thing that we did after the game on Saturday, you know, we've been talking about all the different BP crew chapters around the country, and Tampa was was one of the more active ones that we've been getting a group together for. And we figured since we're going to be there, let's do a kickoff. We went to Cigar City Brewery after the game and did like a little mini kickoff for that chapter. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, too. that was a good time. We, we uh, hung out with a bunch of people there. Um, Colleen's been setting all that stuff up at the back. She's been really, really good with that. And I know a lot of people have already spoken with her, but if you have not gotten in touch with us, um, definitely shoot an email or, you know, just uh, if you go to our um You'll see the group through the uh, the Bronx Pinstripes group on Facebook. You'll see our BP crew group in there, and you can get hooked up with a chapter. So lots of big things happening with that, too. I'm pumped up about it. Yeah, and just quickly on uh, JJ and Keith's podcast, George's Box, that the first uh, intro episode and the first like real episode uh, will be on this feed, so you will get it, and then they're going to have their own feed. Obviously, you have to go and get the episodes going forward on that new feed. Um, but there, there's is going to be a Wednesday episode, so it's, it's really going to blend nicely with ours because during the season we do Monday, Thursday. They're going to be right in the middle of the week, so basically, you know, something to listen to almost every day. Yeah, no, it's good, and and the fact so they'll be have the intro on. We said Tuesday is going to come out. The intro for George's Box will be on Tuesday, where we get to know more about them and and you know whatever they're going to put in their intro episode, and then they'll have their their first episode after that. On Wednesday, and then the fall, and those will both be like you said on our on the Bronx Pinstripe Show feed in iTunes and wherever you listen to us. So you'll be able to hear it then. And then uh, the next week, they'll have their own iTunes feed, and we'll just we'll we'll just kind of point you guys in the direction. You know what's funny about those intro intro episodes? Because you remember we did one yeah. too, but you do the intro episode and you're launching a new podcast, so like 17 people listen to the intro episode, and then as you gain more people and they come in with, we've done over 300 episodes at this point. I'm sure there's like a, an intro episode after 300, like a reintroduction to new people who have not really, don't really know much about us might even be a good thing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's something we can do eventually. <laughs> yeah, it probably won't happen. <laughs> uh, just like that video is not getting edited. From yeah, the we'll see. All right, so let's get into some topics. The first is uh, injury updates. So we kind of mentioned, we talked about Severino and Aaron Hicks both. Uh, we had the news last week, but we got more updates um, over the weekend. Cashman said it's unlikely Severino uh, is going to be ready in April. So it's, we're looking at like a May 1st timetable for Severino. And it's not because he had a setback. It's just because he hasn't had a spring training. And we kind of we said that, right? Yeah. Like, yes, it's a two-week setback, but that was his, supposed to be his first start. Where he was feeling discomfort, that was supposed to be his first start. So he, he, he's done nothing this spring. Right. No, he hasn't had a spring training. So you know everybody's freaking out because they heard the word May. But um, at the same time, Cashman also was talking about this on on the Michael K show when when he was talking to K also saying that you know setting expectations he likes to um, you know under under promise and over deliver in the sense that he also thinks that he might be back sooner than that so there's a possibility that he comes back sooner than that but it'll be towards the end of April early May uh, at the earliest but yeah he's got to he's got to go through spring he's got to get his arm back up he essentially has to start you know start over again. That's basically what that's has to classic. Happen. So I mean, that's classic Cashman speak, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I, he's been he's been uh, you know with I think with the timelines ever since Judge and and saying that oh he's going to be back this time and then oh we have to push that back and push that back. He's just not doing that anymore. He's going to leave them way out. I mean, I understand people freaking out. Like they see May first, and that's a full month of the season. That's that's five or six starts that Severino is is, is going to miss. And when he's your best pitcher, that that's a problem. Yeah. So I understand why people are freaking out. No, I mean, yeah, for sure. But what I'm saying is that it really didn't change the timeline very much by by saying May. I think it's just a a matter of recognizing that it's actually going to be a whole month. But you know, there wasn't a timeline really yeah. before. They said two weeks, and that's when he's going to restart his basically spring training. But but then you have to have we understand. We understood he's going to have depth spring training after yep. that. But I, I think what people are concerned about is the rotation, which we all offseason said, well, this, this rotation is a hell of a lot better than last year. Paxton addition is going to be huge. A steady J-Hap. 
plus you know CC as the fifth starter and Severino anchoring it. Well, now to start the season, they're two out of the five aren't going to be there opening day because of either injury or suspension. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, the, the fact that we're we're going to be going to you know certain guys like um, like Luis Sessa or or Herman or you know even possibly the Yankees looking at the you know what's left on the on the free agent market at this point. I mean, there's two uh, two lefties but no, like, that could possibly but, come. But in. that doesn't help you for April. No, I mean that's true because these guys have. I mean, I don't know what they've been doing on their own. It's not, they're not injured, so I mean, they, I'm sure they're getting their arm is is. But conditioned. do you remember when the Orioles signed Alex Cobb late in spring training last yeah. year. He was not ready in April. Well, he needed he needed to because these guys, even if they're they're in shape, they're not in game shape. They're not getting into spring training games. They're not in spring training. No, no, for sure. We're talking but about they, they could, Gonzalez and Keuchel and any other free agents who are still. Yeah, out but there. I mean, if I'm them, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm throwing sim games. And I'm like I'm doing everything possible to to get my arm ready to go and and working on the certain pitches. I mean, so they can get ready. Um, and then wouldn't need too much time. But, I mean, I don't know. It depends on what they've been doing. It depends on how they've been, you know, treating this this weird free agency at the end and how they're going to sign and, and how they're, um, you know, how they're pitching themselves at this point saying, okay, yeah, we, we can be ready in, a, in two weeks. Or do we really have to wait an realistic. entire month? Uh, maybe it's not an entire month, but maybe it's the second week of the season or the third week of the yeah. season, you yeah. know? Uh, and and with Hicks, it, we said last week we're not going to freak out about Hicks either because this is just you know mild back discomfort. They're not going to take any risks. Now he's had two cortisone shots though, and this is the second year in a row Aaron Hicks has dealt with injuries early in the season. And I was kind of thinking like he's a guy. He, his body is finicky, right? Well, so is he is he a guy that just for whatever reason, takes a, a while to get ramped up, a while to get loosened up. He's going to deal with aches and pains early in the season. Is this just, is this just who Aaron, Aaron Hicks is? Yeah, uh, here, here comes the cliche of we need the, warm, the weather to get warm so that his muscles can relax. Warm? We talking <laughs> he needs about? to get a lot. I was sweating my ass off on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, no, he's, he's down there, but he's got he's to get into the, uh, the groove of, of, of you know, playing in an extended time and, and not having any cool downs and, and just you know, getting into those, those dog days so that you can play every single day i don't know i'm making shit up at this point i he's got soft tissue injuries that he's their issues it's a problem with him so it's probably going to be so something we that still we're haven't had with. a doctor we still haven't had a doctor on the podcast to explain sh- soft tissue injuries i don't think lower back is soft tissue uh, again he's just he's got the, that type of body where if it's soft tissue and in your hamstring and your lower body yeah i'm, I'm not going, going back into this with the muscles it's a muscular issue right that's tightness it's it's tightness that that will um that can affect your spine and your lower back but usually it's those muscles and yeah there is some soft tissue back there a soft tissue injury is the damage of muscles ligaments and tendons throughout the body there you go so, so that so that's exactly common what it is. common common soft tissue injuries usually occur from a sprain strain are you reading are you or, reading like webmd right now yeah okay. i just googled it <laughs> Uh, but but so how does this impact the roster with with Hicks not being ready for opening day? It, Who who's going to be the extra? Because they're going to carry an, they're going to have to replace him with an outfielder. Yeah, um, you know, well maybe not maybe not strictly an outfielder. I mean, I think it it opens up some some avenues for people like obviously uh, Tyler Wade, who was a big discussion this weekend uh, amongst everybody. But I think he's going to make the roster regardless. I think if but it he opens can play the outfield. Other, that's that's the beauty, right? Of him. But I think the if it's not Clint Frazier, who I think is the easiest, because Clint Frazier's not had a good spring, but he can play the outfield. It looks like Gardner would play center field, and you can have Clint Frazier for left field for the week or two, however long Hicks needs. Mm-hmm. But if they don't want to go that route, I, I see the other one being they would carry both first basemen and then have Tyler Wade be the infield outfield guy and DJ LeMahieu be the, the regular utility guy he was already planning on. Doing. Right, and, and that's the importance of Tyler Wade. So he, he would have the ability, the Yankees would have the ability then to, add, to, to leave both first basemen on that roster if that was the case because he can play outfield. But yeah, the other, the other uh, you know, clear option would be to have Clint go out and play left field more often. Um, you know, we've seen him play a couple of different positions. So I think that he could play a game in center if they wanted him to, or, you know, they could figure something out so that Gardner's not out there every single day. And um, I don't know. We just got to be careful, I guess, in the beginning of the season by by calling it or expecting just a week, you know, for Hicks. We we need to see him. Well, he him said get he said he 
he said he expects to be ready for the second series of the year. Okay, well that's good. That's uh, I, I hope it I hope it works out. You know, in the second quarter zone shot did what they needed it to do so that he doesn't feel that tightness because, um, yeah, when you start getting into another quarter zone shot and then we've extended it now a little bit longer, then you start to get worried a little bit more because it, it could be one of these nagging things that, um, you know, you think is going to go away at any moment but just doesn't, and, and that's that's the what I'm afraid of. Getting back to the first base thing, if you carry both first basemen just for the time while Hicks is out, isn't that delaying the inevitable, the decision that they're going to eventually have to make to choose one of these guys? The problem is there are so many of these decisions that we're delaying for the inevitable at some point. When Didi comes back, when uh, you know when Hicks is back, we have to clear a first baseman out there. Like There are so many decisions that are, are being made as a, as a temporary fix for the, for the moment. So yeah, that's going to be one of them. Like At some point, um, you know, I don't believe that you should be carrying both of those guys because Boone has already come out and said LeMahieu is going to be backing up first base as well. So why do you need three first basemen on the roster when you know you're carrying as many pitchers as you are? You need those positions. Uh, you need those guys to be playing different positions, not just fixed at one position. And it's not even like they can really do much on the bench, right? Like neither can be a pinch runner. They could be a pinch hitter, but how many? times in the American League and especially in this lineup do you really have pinch hitting opportunities especially early in the season you just don't have that many times it's just it's just not done early in the season as much either and you know they need to keep that DH spot as a as a revolving door so that guys can come in and get rest especially early in the season you know they're not going to want to push guys like too hard early in the season they want to and judge especially if the, well, see, especially if the, the weather's thing, like though. super cold and we have crappy weather up in New York because that does play I mean, a it, it could be it could be sleeting over right. the day like it snowed last year. That's what I'm saying. So they, they need that DH spot to be, you know, rather flexible and not have a, a guy that is, a, is, is clearly going to be playing first base, DHing, or on the bench. At that point, you're just you're, you're kind of wasting a roster spot. And, and you're kind of hurting both Voight and, and Bird because you're giving them half the amount of at-bats right. that they are used to no exactly so. that's and that's a big deal and i i still think that like we we saw voight come in obviously at the end and everybody's enamored by this guy he's a fan favorite he's become a fan favorite very fast uh you know if they don't if they if they still think it's him and that's and that's the guy they're going to start the season with as the starting first baseman quote unquote then i think it would really be beneficial if you're going to send one of those guys down i think it would be more beneficial for all of us to see what greg bird can do at triple a and to get the reps just to be there every day playing every day and to get himself into a good groove cuz i think it would really help him in the long term to prove that you know he's healthy to himself and then you know be taking swings every single day and actually playing a regular schedule as a starting first baseman you know even if it isn't triple a if he can prove he's healthy that opens up so many opportunities for the yankees and for greg bird because say he proves he's healthy in, in Scranton and Voight proves he was not a fluke last year, well, then the Yankees can actually maybe trade Bird and get something back for him because I think there would be a market for that. Yeah, I mean, one of the guys could definitely be moved if, that's, if we have a perfect scenario in the sense that everybody's hitting and everybody's playing well and healthy. I mean, yeah, they have... Um, I, don't, I don't think they would do it immediately because I still think that there's... You know, there's some whole, there's some pullback. There's some there's some like wait and see with both of these guys. You know, even into the season, like a month or two into the season, there's still we still have a short sample size of Luke Voigt, and we still have you know complete questions around everything Greg Bird, everything Greg Bird, whether he can whether he can play when he's healthy, whether he can be healthy. You know, all of these things are are still very much un, unknowns, and I don't think you can come to a de, you know a determination and like a an actual decision a month in. You still are, okay, now I'm a month in. What if he breaks down now? And then you trade a guy away. It's just, I, I think they're well, going to be you, holding You don't usually the see system. trades happen. You don't really see trades happen a month or two. No, I mean, early as June, a, more of a long-term yeah. thing, yeah. But I, I just think that, you know, this is Greg Bird's, I think this is Greg Bird's last season to prove that he can play baseball. I hope so. I really do, because I'm sick of it. You know, it's shit or, shit or get off the pot at this point. That's it. And, and I, I, have to, I have to believe that the Yankees are feeling the same way. And Boone was wearing Luke Voigt's merchandise. He was wearing his shirt around the clubhouse. Yeah. So if that's any indication of who's going to be on the roster. Yeah, I don't think it. I, I think someone just threw him a shirt and he put it on. Well, that's what I was thinking. We should, we should send Boone a I support Hairless Cats and Birds shirt. And see if he wears it. So he can yeah. be fair and balanced. Yeah, you do. You should, you should, be, uh, you should be making sure that, that that clubhouse is, is very even. It's, just, this has been, it's been an even matchup on the field. Make it even with the T-shirts. 
Speaking of injuries, Jacoby Ellsbury reported to camp today. We we did not know. It's like it's like uh, Jose Are Canseco there searching we have, for do we Bigfoot. Have pictures? We we weren't sure if there was actually going to be Jacoby Ellsbury uh, walking around. Right. No, there's no. I haven't seen any pictures, so, so cannot confirm. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, we, we we that was a big topic as well. Like the, the bets of of Jacoby Ellsbury actually showing up and actually doing anything. But you know, he's got to pass that physical first because he's a new new player to the team. D- am I the only one who found that hilarious? Like <laughs> like Jacoby Ellsbury showed up. Next steps for him are to take a physical. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> what is that going to show? How long is that thing going to take? Yeah, it's going to be a ringer. It's going to be it's going to be the most uh, exhausting physical of all time. We're gonna we're gonna give you a physical until you break down. <laughs> that's what that, that's what it is. It, I thought he's been doing. Isn't that what he's been doing for the last six yeah. months? Is just going through physical. Therapy? Well, they want to see so. it one more time just to make just to make sure that you know he actually is healthy because. I'm I'm expecting something to come out of this physical, and it's not going to be good for Jacoby Ellsbury. Maybe it will. I mean, he'll be he'll be able to go back to Arizona and hang out, you know, with whoever he wants or the Pac Northwest. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens after this physical. Will it be a foot issue, a leg issue, or a back? Could issue? be all three, honestly. I mean, all of the above, all of the above. Is, is, is the easy money on all of the above. I okay. So we watched uh, this play happen in real time on Saturday. Estevan Florio went back for a ball in center field, crashed into the wall. Um, we joked about it at the time. Maybe, maybe you weren't uh, around when we were doing this, but I remember it was uh, me, Dom, and JJ. We were joking, and JJ goes, up, "That's what I would look like if I were out playing center field for the New York Yankees." Yep. Because if you watch the play, it was sort of just like he was meandering back, backpedaling, which is something you never want to do, and just sort of tried to jump at the last minute for the ball and crash down into the base of the wall. He got up. He didn't appear injured, but apparently. He suffered a right wrist fracture, and now this is the second year in a row he's dealing with a right wrist injury. Yeah, that's a problem. I mean, it, it is hard to see like what actually happens in a play from from uh, the the stands when it's uh, something in deep center field. But um, it's if this is something that is going to hold him back, and, and another time with the with the wrist, like it's super unfortunate because you're just putting this kid further back. You know, the timeline just keeps stalling, and like you, we're now we're. Okay, now we're two two years away. Still, it just seems like we've been two years away for a while now with this kid. Well, like you talked about with Ben Badler, why isn't he on the top one hundred prospect list? And it's because of the injury last year. He didn't have a real season, right. and now if he's gonna, this might be minor, right? He had surgery last year on his uh, hammet bone, right? That's how you say that. Sure. Yeah, hammet bone, uh, and that he he only played something like eighty eighty games or something. So. If this is just a couple, even a month-long thing, like you could still have a full, pretty much full season. But if this is going to affect him and he only plays another 80 games, well, then he's kind of like you said. He's just like he's, he's not making the progress you want to see out of your top prospect. Well, yeah, and it's not, it's not because of you know, um, failure to, to move forward with the ability that you're seeing. It's, it's these injuries that are just keeping you in the sand. You're, just, you're not moving. You, know? you, can't, you can't be progressing if you're not playing, obviously. So... That's the problem, um, and it's unfortunate because he was really good. We we saw some really good flashes. I think this spring, I think people got really excited about Floriel, and um, again, just like everybody did last year, like just seeing this guy out there, uh, he's a specimen. He's a, an unbelievable athlete, and and the way he plays and runs, um, he obviously everybody just gets excited when they watch him play. So I hope it's I hope it's not as serious, you know, as uh, as as anything was last year, and, and that he can come back from this with. Uh, uh, you know, no issues. But the wrist is also one of those just really concerning things. As a baseball player, hitting uh, is obviously the wrist plays a very big uh, factor into that. And it, there's a discomfort. Uh, and that takes a while to get back from it. So hopefully it's especially when it's the same wrist. Yeah, yeah. And mentally, you got to get past that hurdle now, too. He was having a really good spring, 355 average with a 945 OPS in 31 at-bats. Yeah, and I mean, you see the numbers and the eye test just confirmed it. Immediately, I mean, it was just so glaringly obvious that this guy is a ball player. So the the season's coming up is right around the corner. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there thinking about their fantasy lineups uh, for baseball. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to be playing best ball on draft. Here's how it works. So it's a season long uh, league, but with no management. So if you like the action of fantasy baseball, you like checking your lineups. This is the thing for you. Once you're done drafting, that's it. There's no trades, no waivers. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players get automatically selected, and you'll get the best score 
every week guaranteed. And I know that's uh, something I always get annoyed with in fantasy is when I have like 45 points on my bench. So leagues start every minute so you can join uh, one right now. The best part, play for cold hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start uh, at just $1, so there's a draft for everybody. Yeah, go download the app right now. Just search draft in your app store or play from your computer on draft.com. This year they're running a $100,000 best ball championship. Draft the best team and you could win a piece of that $100,000 in prizes. It's that simple. All new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit and use promo code BRONX. Just search draft in the app store or go to draft.com. Come play free with promo code BRONX. So we mentioned this in the outfield uh, talk a couple minutes ago, but Brett Gardner and Clint Frazier, that was that was also maybe one of the battles we were going to look to this spring. Well, Brett Gardner is having a fantastic spring training. 455 batting average, 1345 OPS. Meanwhile, Clint Frazier is hitting a buck 76 with a 544 OPS. Now, I still think because of the Hicks injury, they could both be on the roster. But, man, did Gardner come up to play. Is this because like maybe a fire was lit under his ass? He's, he doesn't want to be the old guy just ca- like, like uh, you know discarded with the scraps. He wants to prove he can still contribute to this team. What is going on with Brett Gardner? I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess Brett Gardner's got something to prove in the sense that he, you see his age, you see what's coming up behind him, and people are already looking past that. Um, so we know how we, he, he's, always, he's, he's been a, a fast starter in, in the past. Like The guy comes out with his hair on fire. He's always been that type of player. He's crashing in the walls, making catches. I mean, he's, he's just a baller. And the fact that Frazier's not hitting, I mean, I will say that the games that I saw, I saw three games this, this, uh, this week, and Frazier was hitting the ball hard. You know, a, lot, a few of the times it was just right at people. So I, I didn't think he, he doesn't look as bad as those numbers. And, and again, I really don't take a lot of stock in what the actual outcome is. Uh, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at what he's doing, like the, how, how hard he's hitting the ball, things like that. And I, I, thought he looked, I thought he looked okay. And honestly, like getting past the spring and getting through it healthy for Clint and, and making sure that he can play at a high level and having no issues that, that are coming back from that concussion, to me, is a, is a big win. And, and I think we'll oh, give him a percent. shot of confidence too knowing that he can go out and uh, and play i mean he had a play at the wall last week at, early in the week um and I, I know i was cringing when i saw him going back but i think it's a big deal yeah, for him exactly to how he got hurt last yeah, year exactly so I, well don't you know the first rule of spring training stats it's that if they're good then it matters and if they're bad then it doesn't matter. well no it matters it, it matters if it's convenient <laughs> if no, we're exactly. talking about a battle but it it is, in, it is important to state that Brett Gardner has a 1345 OPS. That is a sign that Brett Gardner is not done yet. But the fact that Clint Frazier is struggling doesn't mean anything because it's just spring training. No, that's true. But when you have a competition and you're, you're competing for a spot, you know, at that point, at some point, you're, you're looking at um, the at-bats. You're looking at the whole, the whole the entire picture of what that player looks like at this point. So, um, yeah, the numbers, while they don't mean anything, they, they do in a sense that you know, there is a competition no. for the last roster spot. No, they don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. Aaron Boone loves numbers, and they mean something to him. Well, and it's, I guess, if, uh, if, they're, if they were closer, then if the numbers are close, then, then that's more difficult of a decision for the team, right? Like with, with the situation with, Gar- with um, Bird and Vol- Well, yeah, and they're close. In that sense, they're, they're close because both guys look good. I mean, that, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for what they're doing on defense, how, they're, um, you know, how their at-bats are, and you know, it, which, which guy's doing it and which guy's not. But yeah, they're, they're close. Um, and they're both playing really well. Like that's the bottom line. The fact that, like, again, I saw a lot of hard hit balls by Frazier this week. So those numbers are very deceiving to me from what I saw uh, in person. And um, I know Gardy is. First of all, I don't think it's a competition. I mean, Gardy's obviously we know he's the starting left fielder, but it's just a matter of if right. Clint can make this team at this point. Mm-hmm. Gardy might be the starting. Center he might, he might be. Yeah, he will okay. be. Yeah. Right, and we're seeing other guys like Batances has had velocity issues this spring, right. um, but it's something also that if you think like go back to there's been reports like he's dealt with this many springs where he for whatever reason takes him a while to ramp up so the Yankees are not concerned he's not concerned with the fact that he's throwing low 90s at, at, at this point in the middle of March yeah I mean and, and he really wasn't even he hit uh, low 90s uh, on the last uh, last week like one or two times so 
But again, they, they, we were, they were talking with him about this. This has happened in the past. One of the first years he came up, he was sitting like 84 around this time. So, you know, I, I'm not concerned about it. When I see that the player has a history of, of you know, increasing velocity slower than some other guys, you know, it's just different for each guy. Like, their bodies are different. It, Batantis knows this. Batantis knows how to push his body to get get it ready for uh, when the games matter. So I have trust in that because he's done it in the past. And the team knows how the player operates and I have, you know, confidence in that. So I'm not I'm not worried about that. He's not injured. He's just not at the velocity yet. Right. Were you were you watching the radar gun yesterday when Chapman came into the I game? I was not. I could barely watch so, any of the game yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, I, I maybe saw like five five plays in the game, but I, I was I noticed the radar gun because uh, I had also heard reports that Chapman's velocity had been down, and like the first five pitches he threw like ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, and then on the last batter he threw four like three straight ninety eight mile an hour fastballs. Yeah, I mean, so why is it a surprise that in spring training guys' velocity is down? Like, yeah, they're probably also not they're be not all the trying. They're not trying to like Chapman's not out there trying to throw 105 miles an hour in March. It's just that would be stupid. I wouldn't want him to do that. Yeah, I, these guys know their bodies. Bottom line, I mean, we're not we're not looking at injuries here. They they're just ramping up. That's it. Right, and that you can give the veterans that slack. And then on the flip side, you see a guy like Luis Sessa, who we have criticized countless times, despite the fact that he watches the Bronx Pinstripes Instagram stories. He's a we big, have he's said a big he, fan. He might not be a major league pitcher because what we've seen is him have success in AAA and then come up for spot starts in the majors and struggle. But so far in spring, 13 innings pitched, only seven hits allowed, one run, one walk, 13 strikeouts. He's had a fantastic spring. He's been one of the the brightest spots of the Yankees um, pitching staff so far in spring. And with two rotation spots open to start the year and his lack of options... I really see this like him pretty much a lock for one of those rotation spots. And I think the plan for him is going to be give him a handful of starts until Severino comes back. If he's good, great. We can find a role for him somewhere on this team. If he still struggles, then they might have to just cut their cut their losses with him and you might see a, a DFA situation. Yeah, yeah, or one of those trades for, you know, maybe some some pool money or something. Player to be named later or cash or some international yeah, exactly. bonus money. So the uh you know, he has looked good and here here we are again looking at numbers, but when you're looking at how the player has pitched, uh I on t- the the game in Toronto, I was at that Thursday game when he when he uh, pitched against them, he looked good, but there was nobody playing for Toronto either. There were like a couple guys uh that were in the lineup and for not very long. So you you have to take it with a grain of salt when you're looking at these numbers as well uh, because of the competition. I mean, a lot of them were literally single and double-A players that, that he was facing. But the fact that he's getting a lot of swings and misses, the fact that he's uh, going out there and you know not letting up hits, and uh, and then the control, like that's another big thing for me. I see one walk. I really like that. That means he's locating his pitches. He's getting the swings and misses. So you know I think you can take something away from that. And the fact that he's... Um, you know, he's looking good and, and, and been tuning up to a, to a point where he feels comfortable. So the biggest thing was with Sessa, and I think Herman is, is really the same, the, in the same boat in the sense that we've seen some success from both of these, both of these guys, but uh, unfortunately it just hasn't been able to, to get over the hump where you, you go four innings and you're good, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, second or third time through the order, these guys lock on or you lose your control, and then there's a big inning thrown in there. And, and that's the thing. He's got to throw it in. He's got to put together, similar to Herman, more consistency with uh, you know, finishing off his starts. And a, the problem for a guy like Luis Sessa and the 2018-2019 Yankees is he doesn't have room to, to fail on a team like right. this, right? They're not going to let him go out there for two straight months and, quote, figure it out. Like, you cannot just be punting games like that when you're going to be battling with the Red Sox around 100 wins. It's just not... It's not, we did it last year. Smart. We did it last year. We don't need to do it again. <laughs> right. So, like, and, and that's the... The pause, that's, that's the beauty of rooting for a team that is expecting to win a World Series, but it's also why you see these kinds of teams like struggle to bring up some, some young talent sometimes. It's because there's no opportunity to fail. You cannot fail. Can't you can't deal with that? Well, at this time, the 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 unless they go out there into the free agent market and and figure and find something that that can come and actually help in a relatively uh, timely manner. I mean, this is the best option at this point. So when we're looking at just a guy coming out there and you can't fail, I mean, like there really isn't as many options. I mean, yeah, we have a, a Loizaga as a possibility. There there could be a couple other guys um, in AAA that 
that might, you know, start off strong that, that could get an opportunity. But Sessa knows this is it. I mean, he's got no more options. So he knows that this is it. This is his last chance to go out there and, and show what he can do and prove that that he's, um, you know, that the, the actual stuff that he has can equate to getting guys out at a consistent uh, at a consistent basis on the major league level. That's that's it. it that's, again, another shitter get off the pot situation. He just must be playing the eight mile soundtrack on loop, just, just like getting, getting pumped just getting up for these. Pumped. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that. It's a, it's a nice segue into the first couple of mailbag questions we have, though. I just quickly want to uh, put a call out to all of the listeners out there. If you have not done so, give us a good rating and review in iTunes and wherever it is you listen, but specifically iTunes because that's the bulk of uh, where these uh, po- uh, ratings and reviews and the downloads are coming from. But the reason I'm asking is because sp- uh, spring training is almost over, opening day is around the corner. This is going to be new people who are searching for baseball content. And the more ratings and reviews, the higher we, uh, uh, more publicity we get, the more um, visibility we get. And it, and it really does help us out. It's the number one thing you guys can do to show the support. Um, you ready to get into some mailbags? Yeah, Scott? let's do it. All right, I'm going to read back to back here. First one's from Brittany Rose. Uh, she's uh, posted in our Facebook group. With it being announced now that Sevy is out until at least May 1st, do we still go with internal options to fill the void or seek external help? If so, who? And then Sean says, I'm going to be blunt here. Just like last year, just like every year, the Yanks don't have enough pitching. How do they expect to get past the Red Sox? Cashman needs to look himself in the mirror and acknowledge his biggest flaw, and that's neglect towards consistent, reliable starting pitching. It's definitely costed the Yankees at least two, possibly three titles. So with the injuries, it's like, like we said, people are freaking out. What are they going to do to fill the two out of five spots? I mean, I mean, we we discussed this uh, uh, last week as well. Like, first of all, Cashman did address the pitching staff. He he absolutely addressed the pitching staff this year to a, to a, a level that really all you can do when you're looking for like high quality starters, you can't go out there and sign six guys for a five man rotation. You just can't do it. The sixth guy doesn't get. Uh, a rotation spot. So what are you supposed to do with him as a starting pitcher? I understand these injuries happen in the in a in a time that that's unfortunate to start the season, but they signed CC Sabathia. So if there's if we're looking at something there and like this is where this is where I will go with it. I think the the question is was was bringing back CC the right move? Knowing what um you know how he pitches. You know, not deep into games. There's a there's an injury history there. Uh, he's obviously an older player. Rather than going out and finding another another guy, another more consistent player. You know, whether it's going out and, and signing a guy like Keuchel or Gio Gonzalez is out there. It, that to me really is like the only decision that you can look at and say, okay, because signing a sixth piece just doesn't make any sense and you have to look into your into your depth into your minor leagues and see what you have that's where the depth is on every roster in every team that you have to go to the minor leagues at some point the the sabathia signing happened around the same time as the gardner signing yeah. right that was it happened like basically in the same week and i think that was cashman just like getting stuff out of the way like just I, these are known commodities I'm getting them for a price I'm comfortable with. I'm just going to do it and then see how the market plays out. I think that was his his plan there. And then he obviously didn't like where the market turned out for a lot of these free agents. Well, again, I, I, once you're signing the, the fifth guy, once you bring Hat back and you make the trade for Paxton, now you have a, a full rotation. I mean, who, who could have predicted that Severino wasn't going to those happen. Paxton, so... But, my, the, but the point is, once you happened have five, before the Paxton and Hap stuff. The, no, Hap, Hap was the last thing to happen. Once you once you have Hap, that's your like you could have gone after Corbin, and they did, and he got a stupid amount of money. So Corbin was the guy that they tried to go after, but but then they landed Hap, and the reason they they did that was because they felt that he was going to help the team and improve the the rotation. Uh, for the entire season and not just having him in the second half. But again, I don't know how you can go out and go after a guy like Dallas Keuchel, let's say, and and legitimately try to sign him for a, a big contract for a, a good amount of years and have five starters already. I don't I don't where's the where do you put them? I don't get that. Unless you're going to a sixth man rotation, which they're not, there's just no room. You can't you can't stack a a a, a roster with too many starting pitchers that are expecting the the to pitch every five days. It just it, the math doesn't work. 
I get it, and I agree with you, but but then when the injuries happen, people second guess it, and that's that's always going to be the people are. It's like, well, how could you not expect injuries to happen? Injuries always happen. You always go to your sixth, seventh, sometimes eighth right, starter. I get it. By the time the season is over, and that's why you have to look at AAA and you have to look around and, and see if you can get some guys on a minor league deal that can go out there and potentially have some success in in AAA and come up and help. Or you have some of your guys like there's obviously some comfort level with with having um, you know Loizica, Sessa, and Herman and having one of those three, you know, they certainly weren't expecting two of the three in the beginning, but having some, uh, you know, success from from some of those guys as spot starts. So, look, I, I think that there's depth in the in the minor leagues, and I I just believe that they were comfortable with that, and I don't see how you can possibly go out and spend um, money on five guys. So, if you're looking at making an upgrade on the rotation to what has already been done, then to me you're looking at CC Sabathia because that's the guy that is is more of a of a wild card in the sense that you know that there's an injury history. You know that he's not going to give you the innings that um, a guy like Dallas Keuchel will. So, you know, there's there's just a lot of things, I think, around that signing alone. If you're one of those people that say Cashman should have done things differently. Yeah, and at this point I really do not see them going outside of the – organization to bring in another starter unless we see another starter go down in the next week and a half which I really hope doesn't happen but just I want to play this out because Dallas Keiko is still out there he's the best pitcher on the free agent market at this time last year Alex Cobb was still out there and the Orioles signed him to a four-year 57 million dollar contract that's 14.25 million a year and he signed late in spring he was not ready for opening day as we, we said earlier but do you see Keiko signing something like that which is a, a, a four-year deal, but it's much less per-year value than he was expecting? Or do you see a team maybe giving him like a one-year $25 million contract? Yeah, I mean, I, if I'm Keuchel at this point, I'm looking at a, a one-year deal and, and trying to get as much money as I possibly can. I'm going the Darrell Rivas route at this point and, and trying to uh, maximize my, my earning. Um, but it, with the market, the way that it's played out, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he did get an offer like that Alex Cobb deal um, and was a four years and it was a little bit lower on the AEV that he took it, just knowing what the market has been doing. So, um, right. You know, he's, he's had, he's had demands and obviously nobody's really met those demands. So he's, he's playing, uh, you know, he, he's staying firm in, in what he wants. Now I could see the Yankees going after a guy like Gio Gonzalez, which probably wouldn't cost that much money. And if, uh, you know, once, once, uh, you know, everybody was healthy, you could either, you could dump him or you could trade him. You could do something with him if, if it didn't work out. Um, but that's a guy that maybe they could go, you know, and, and do it. But again, he's got to be ready. And when is he going to be ready? Exactly. So we're still in the same boat. If, if you sign a guy and he's not ready until the third week of the season, you're still in the same boat with Luis Sessa and Domingo Herman starting. And for, is Gio Gonzalez going to give four or five Is turns. Gio Gonzalez really, does everybody believe that Gio Gonzalez is going to be a better option than uh, Domingo Herman? I, I mean, I, I can't. I think I think I think he is a safer option than Domingo Herman. I think at this point you, you could probably make that or you could definitely make that argument. But at the same time, Herman has so much more upside and has the ability to to be a much better pitcher than Gio Gonzalez is right now. So if you're looking for, but just are a you looking for safe? What are you looking? That's the thing, though. What are you looking for? Are you looking for? You're probably looking for safe out of that spot. You're not looking for high risk, high reward. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that, but you also have to then weigh that, you know, he's coming in on, and you're going to have to pay him, and there's going to be a contract, and, you know, there's additional things than, than just being safe, so there's there's other factors that come into it, and if they're comf- if they're comfortable right now with what they have with uh, Herman and Sessa, and they think that CeCe's going to be back, you know, relatively quickly, then they're looking at one spot, um, and, and, you know, that they have to, to, to fill for a month, and, you know, maybe the Yankees think that they can do that, and, like, you know, we talked about last week, and I, it's not something that I, that I like looking at, but when the situation might call for it and you're and you're kind of cornered into that, you know, there is a possibility that they could bullpen a game here or there and, and you know, fill that rotation spot um, on different times with uh, with a bullpen. So I, I think if, Ses- if if Severino is is looking like he's going to be coming back and and CC is, uh, you know, on track again to uh, to to come back relatively early in the season, then I don't think they need to go out there and make a, a drastic move because they're only going to be filling a few a few spots. Uh, you know me. I don't hate the bullpenning idea yeah. to get to get them through until everyone's healthy. Next uh, up is from Jason. The Red Sox have had a terrible spring, and we just blew them out on Friday. The Yankees are currently near the top of the standings. In 2018, Boston had the best spring training record, and it seemed like they carried it right throughout the season. Is this a sign of bad things to come for the Red Sox? 
maybe I am reading too much into spring results. So again, with the spring wins and losses, they only matter when you win. They don't matter if you lose. But uh, it is interesting that the, are the Reds, are we seeing like a mini World Series hangover from the Red Sox in spring training? I mean, I don't think so. I think, I think that we're just, I think it means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, um, no. I, well, they, but you do remember they had a very good spring last year. And I think the narrative around the Red Sox was like, we're, this is our year. We dominated in spring training, like front, you know, day one to, to the end of the season, even in spring training, we're just trying to win games. So they took it like that was their motto last year. Now, what's their motto this year? Like, uh, we won the World Series. Like, we'll we'll just turn the switch back on when opening day rolls around. Yeah, I mean, I think the bigger concern when you're looking at the the Red Sox is is still their pitching staff. So, and I think all of these bullpen. The, yeah, but pitching staff in general too. I mean, I guess it's just you see you see what Evaldi is. We'll see what he is like. Is he the guy that that he was last year at the end of last year? Is he the guy that was in the playoffs? What is he? So I still think there's still a lot of question marks um, with the entire pitching staff. But yeah, the bullpen's a, a freaking disaster. Okay, fine. But Evaldi's their fourth starter. They've got Price, Sale, and and um, Porcello. That's I. I think the rotation is is going to be very good again. But their bullpen, their bullpen is trash. And I don't know who their closer is going to be. They're they're I think going to just Frazier. throw shit against the wall. I, I think I think Ryan Ryan Brazier, uh, yeah, is is going to be the guy. The um, I've also read Matt Barnes. Yeah, like, I mean, I've read different different things about who's who they're going to. The Brazier kid, try and be he's not closer. a kid. He's actually older, but right, he's a, he was their I think he was their closer in uh, in Pawtucket. So I don't. They have some guys that they're. They apparently feel comfortable with, so we'll see what happens. I, I you know, I kind of hope they, I hope they continue on this little experiment. I really do because I think it's not going to end well. So here's the thing: like, I want to put put yourself in the shoes. Try and put yourself in the shoes of, of a Red Sox fan. And like Yankees fans complain that they the Yankees didn't do enough to improve the team. They didn't spend money this offseason. Can you imagine if the Yankees were going into this season with no bullpen or? like no third baseman or no center fielder and they just neglected to sign somebody who was at that position we would be ape shit yeah no it's uh it's 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 really it's pretty crazy on how they they absolutely just said we're not going to increase uh we're not going to make this a, a better uh, a better bullpen in any way in shape or form like zero zero upgrades we're just going to go into they got this worse. complete no they they got worse they lost their two best relief pitchers yeah it, it's it's pretty crazy all right, last question uh, is from Manny Mo. What do you think about the active roster revision rule regarding eliminating the 40-man roster in September? Also, can you explain the two-way player rule, uh, the Otani rule, question mark, and if the Yankees have anyone present, uh, presently that can fill that uh, role in the bigs? All I know of is Anthony Siegler, but he just started with us in the minors. Also, uh, Anthony Siegler, as we talk to him, is just going to be focusing on catching and hitting. Yeah, so I think the the new rule changes are interesting, but um, it's 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 one of those it's one of those things that we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. The two way position players. I was actually talking to Manny about this at the at the brewery yesterday. Um, we were talking about this, but yeah, Siegler is not going to be pitching. He's going to be you know hitting from the left side, so we're not going to see that type of thing. But it's it's crazy how they made you know this this rule basically for one player. Um, and I know they had to make a rule. When uh, you know when we have when we started getting ambidextrous pitchers into the the league as well, so they're they're having to adjust with these with these strange you know little micro uh, micro incidents I guess with with one player. But yeah, they're making rules basically around one guy. So what baseball is doing is they're kind of rolling out some changes to the rules over the next couple of years. The ones for 2019 are really not that impactful. The, the biggest uh, thing, I think, is actually the one single trade deadline. They didn't move it to June, which was a possibility. They're keeping it July 31st, but there's no more waiver wire deals. So you, July 31st is the last time you can make changes to your roster. They're shortening, uh, shorting, uh, uh, making inning breaks shorter, if I can speak, and uh, mound visits are being reduced from six to oh, five. Oh, here we go. So, so all the talk last year about how many times is Gary Sanchez going to have to go out and talk to the pitchers? Well, now he he has to count to five instead of six. Yeah, and then and the All Star Game bonus too, I think, is interesting. Having the the home run derby, yeah. it's basically a, putting a bounty on the home run derby as of a million. Of a I million like bucks. it. Yeah, it's, it makes it. interesting. I love that. Yeah, and it, so Judge said, I'm not going to do it. It doesn't impact my decision. I don't want to get hurt again, which I think is interesting. He said again, but a million dollars is almost double what he makes this year. So if you have some young guys who want to make some more cash, 
There's going to be a let's lot more. Let's go do the home run. There's going to be a lot more pre-arbitration guys that are that are looking at that. Like, okay, maybe maybe I can uh, tailor my swing a little bit and and get into this derby and win a million bucks. Yeah, I think there's going to be hell yeah. There's definitely going to be some some more interest in it. We'll see how many of these guys actually get on and and what level of uh, of names are, are added to this. But it it definitely makes it interesting. I, I kind of like it. As long as there's no Yankees getting injured. Right. <laughs> That's just the caveat. The 2020 rules are, are the bigger ones. So the three batter minimum is going to be instituted. We talked about that. Uh, I I kind of like it. You, what do you, what's your opinion on that? I forget. Uh, I'm, I'm impartial. Like, I, I have no problem with it. I think it's, uh, I don't think it really impacts the team as much. I feel like. Um, yeah, there was some articles. I think uh, Petriello put one out uh, last week. Um, go, basically going over like the last five years of data. And it's, it's. There's only a handful of guys that usually face less than three batters. Yeah, so um, it's that is not a big concern for me. The uh, the fact that there uh, there there's a whole bunch of other ones, but the injured list going back to 15 days like that is strange because they wanted to bring the 10 day um, list in. We thought for the concussion protocol. So I guess they're just they're they're no longer saying that you can well, have a shortened list. I think for that. they're realizing. I think they're realizing teams just took advantage of it too yeah. much. With, with with the pitcher with the basically with all the bullpen switches and the roster and the you can manipulate the roster to where you basically have a fresh pitcher on the roster every day and then you're just churning through bullpens. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they're trying to avoid. Twenty uh, six man roster for the regular season. A twenty seventh player will be allowed for doubleheaders. And then as uh, Manny mentioned, so September uh, call ups are being reduced to twenty eight. And I I have seen everyone in favor of this because they always say that September call ups make the games. Um, kind of like a circus because the most important games of the season, when teams are fighting for playoff spots, you got like pinch runners every two seconds and you got 40 people in the bullpen coming in. So I like that they're just reducing it to 28. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think that I think that when you're, well, one, you're, you're getting a 26-man roster in the regular season, so you have the ability to have that other guy um, you know, for a lot longer time. And then when you're getting the expanded roster, it's just making it not as, not as big of a deal because you already have another guy there. Um, and you, look, we won't, have a, we won't have a designated pinch runner. Like the, the um, what was his name, Noel? Uh, Hector. Rico, Hector. Rico Noel or Noel. So, Rico. Anyway, he, like, those guys won't be on the roster anymore. That's, that's right. what you're seeing. But also adding a 26 man for the regular season, that's 30 major league baseball jobs. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's an absolutely big deal. And players love that because the whole manipulating service time thing, well, now there's an extra roster spot that you can get guys up sooner. They can enter the arbitration process sooner and then get to free agency sooner. Um, and then as, as Manny asked about the, the two-way players, so it, it is kind of like an Otani rule. It does not affect most teams and most players. Because a player qualifies uh, for the two-way player if he accrues at least 20 major league innings and at least 20 games started at a position or DH. And um, you have to designate, is this player a pitcher or a, or a position player when he's added to the roster? Okay, so a position player can't pitch. I get that's what they're going for. He can't pitch unless the game goes to extra innings or it's more than a six-run uh, differential, which is the only time position pit players pitch anyway. When are they ever pitching in a key seventh inning? Never. It's only in blowouts or the 15th inning. It's only in blowouts. So that rule did jack shit. No, that, see, that's the, the whole point of it is Otani. That's what's crazy about it. They're literally making this for one guy. So, um, But they have to. I mean, I, I think they have to. And I'm sure they heard it from other GMs and other, you know, other teams saying, look, this is a concern. If they can, if they can do this with this guy and, and bring him in at any point, like that's – that shouldn't be allowed, and obviously um, the the league listened to that. And that's what we talked about, like when teams were when the Yankees were interested in Otani. It's like Cashman talked about all of the roster uh, flexibility that he provides. So that's I think why he was such an attractive player to major league teams. But um, thank you to everyone who submitted mailbag questions. That's going to do it for this episode. I think Scott and I are feeling the effects of the weekend. It was a, again a ton of fun. Shout out to everyone who came out on Friday, came out on Saturday to the event, came to the brewery afterwards. And uh, I know, Scott, we're, I'm already looking forward to the fifth annual spring training event next year because I think this is something we're going to continue for a long yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good kickoff to the season. It was a, a lot of fun, again, just uh, reiterating the fact that I love hanging out with, with all passionate Yankee fans uh, that, that are you know, either listening to the show or ha have found the event and, and anything that we're doing um, at some point on social media or wherever you found it. 
come on out, come hang out. That that's where this thing gets really great. Is is you know meeting everybody else in the community. Um, I know that you see everybody talking to each other. Everybody's talking Yankee baseball. So lots of friends are being made. Lots of uh, lots of new friends are being made, and and that's what's uh, that's what's great. We're you know we're meeting families of people that have come for a couple years. So there's a there's a there's a lot of really cool stuff, and um, uh, it's it's a I think it's becoming a special thing. So we want more and more and more people to come and, and be involved because uh, just more numbers makes it that much better. That's going to do it for us. But a reminder, Tuesday and Wednesday, George's Box episodes, the first ever. Check those out, and we will talk to you next week. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.